This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. This morning I'm going to bring a conclusion to the series that we have been speaking on for the last several weeks about the love of God. And today's message is entitled, The Girding of God's Love. If you do not have a bulletin with the outline on it and you'd like to follow along with us, raise your hand and these ushers will be glad to give you one. Just hold your hand up a little high so they can find you. And uh, we would like for you to follow along with us in the Word of God. This is a very difficult subject, an unusual subject you will see here in just a few moments. But I pray that it will be a blessing to you. I'm going to be reading today, beginning in Isaiah chapter 45, and I'm going to read for you verses 1 through 6. <clears throat> I want to encourage you to look carefully at the words. Every now and then we come across a passage of Scripture that's very difficult to understand. In fact, people have mentioned that to me from time to time, especially uh, in the King James, and they will say, Pastor, you know, uh, I just don't understand it. There's, it seems like it just goes over my head. And uh, especially when you get into some of these Old Testament passages, and we're going to be certainly looking at several of them today. But this is one of the difficult passages in the Scripture. If you just read it, uh, if, you're, if you're going through the Bible, you're reading one chapter at a time. We do that on Wednesday nights as a church family. Brother David reads one chapter at a time. And, uh, but if that's your habit at home and you, you try to read a chapter every day, you come across something like this, uh, just on the surface, it's very difficult to understand. But there is, a, there is a message in here today that I want you to see and I want you to grasp and just try to wrap yourself around it because if you leave here today understanding what the girding of God's love is all about, I think it'll help change your perspective on some troubled spots in your life. And that's my goal this morning. And, and so at first glance, this is going to be a very difficult uh, text to comprehend. But I think that at the end of the message today, you'll see maybe perhaps one of the reasons why I believe this chapter, this passage, is the Romans 8.28 of the Old Testament. And so we'll look at it a little deeper as we go along. But I'm going to read for you today, beginning in Isaiah chapter 45, verses 1 through 6. Look at it carefully. <clears throat> Thus saith the Lord to his anointed. Now you might want to put just a little pen dot over this word anointed or underline the word anointed. This is significant when you understand what this text is about. To Cyrus whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee the treasures of 
darkness and hidden riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob my servant's sake and Israel mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee. Now look at this. Though thou hast not known me. I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee. Though thou hast not known me. that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Here's something that I want you to get right from the beginning of the message today. Every time we open up the Word, every time we open the blessed pages, we are opening up the mind of God. And I want you to remember that today. We're, we're exposed to him in such a way that we can know him. And aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit has given us the light of the word that we can know him? Paul said that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. I'm glad every time we open the Bible, if we seek, we can find, we can know God, we can have a personal relationship with him, and we can know him better each and every time we take the time to study his word. I want to try to teach you something this morning. Beginning in verse number one, I'd like for you to notice that the word Lord is all capitalized. Look at that's significant. And I want you to think about this. It's important to know. It's very significant because every time you see the word Lord with every letter capitalized, it means that God is speaking himself. God himself is doing the word, the speaking. Now, in the Hebrew study of the word, this is called the Tetrachromaton. I know that's difficult. Nobody will remember that when you leave here today. I get that. But that's just a little nugget that you can tuck away and maybe say, well, he said it. He's, I heard it one time in my life. But that means it comes directly from God himself. Now, here's the thing. I want you to notice to whom God is speaking. Because the question is this, was he speaking to Isaiah? Was he speaking to a priest? Was he speaking to a prophet? Was he speaking to a king? Absolutely not. In fact, if you look carefully in verse number one, this entire declaration from God was directed to a man named Cyrus. And there are few people that really know anything about this man in the scriptures. But here's the thing. In verse number one, God referred to him as his anointed. And that's significant because this is where the scripture gets complicated. It's important that you understand or note, make a notation of that word. It's also more important to know who Cyrus was. Cyrus was the king of the Medes and the Persians. 
But the interesting thing about him is this, that Cyrus was not a God-fearing man. Cyrus did not recognize Jehovah. He did not know him at all. In fact, he worshipped false gods. Now, that's, that's adding a little bit of confusion to the message today because you just saw a great declaration from God himself doing the speaking. And he used in reference to talking to Cyrus this word anointed. But Cyrus didn't know God. He worshipped false gods. He was a heathen man. And these are the kind of things that make the scriptures very complicated to understand. So this is what makes the conversation that God had with Cyrus one of the most interesting conversations in all of the Bible. And that is this. Why would God raise up a heathen man to declare and to promote his honor and glory? Why would God do that? Well, the same reason he chose to use Pharaoh in an unusual way. In fact, if you hold your place here, I want you to see this in Exodus chapter 9, verse 13 through 16. And the scripture says this, And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thy heart and upon thy servants and upon thy people that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. For now I will stretch out my hand that I might smite thee and thy people with pestilence and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. Now here is where you get the reason from God of working in the life of Pharaoh. Look at this. And in very deed for this cause... Have I raised thee up for to show in thee my power? Now, you know Pharaoh was a wicked man. Look at this. God said, and for this, in this very deed, this cause have I raised thee up. For to show thee in my power that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. So I want you to see that. In verse number one, going back to Isaiah, God said this, Cyrus, you're going to be an anointed person. And by the way, the word anointed is usually reserved when we talk about believers in faith. But here it's in reference of being set apart for a very specific task. And there's a passage here in Isaiah 45, verse number 5. Look what the word says. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee. That's a word we're going to learn about today. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. And that's an interesting subject when you think about it, how God would raise up a heathen man for his honor and glory. In verse 5, God said, I girded thee. Now, don't forget Cyrus didn't know the Lord. He did not know God, yet God was going to do something very unique in this man's life, basically without him even knowing what God was doing. And I want to speak a little bit this morning about this word girding because it's a word seldom used, a word most people don't know anything about at all. 
The other Sunday, we spoke about the providence of God's love. Today, we're talking about the girding of God's love. So God had decided to gird the life of Cyrus for his own personal honor and glory. And if you're following along in the outline today, here's point number one. God is determined to get honor and glory wherever he can. And I put a little parenthesis around that in my notes saying this, whether he can use a lost man or whether he can use a saved man, doesn't matter to God. Wherever he can get the honor, wherever he can get the glory. In fact, there's a place in the New Testament in Luke chapter 19, verse number 40, where we're told in the Scriptures that if we would hold our peace, that even the stones would cry out. Think about how much glory God is saying he could get from rocks if we hold our peace. Now, if God was interested in girding the life of a heathen man, think of how much more he's interested in girding our life as believers. Now, this is an amazing chapter, and I want us to get something out of it. I want you to take something home in your heart today. For some of you who may not know, Persia was the ancient country of what is known as Iran today. The Iranians are the ancient Persian people. Now, it was the Medes and the Persians who had conquered the Babylonians. This is a little history lesson today, but it's important to understand Scripture because most of you know that Babylon was the first empire of the world. And it was the Babylonians who had carried off the children of Israel into captivity. They destroyed Jerusalem as well as the Romans. They carried Daniel, Nehemiah, and Ezra into Babylonian captivity. And some of you know that Babylon is the ancient country of what is known as the present-day Iraq. And so when you think about that, the Medes and the Persians, they were the ones who had conquered the Babylonians. And when this happened, the first order of business of King Cyrus, when this took place, and this is unusual because he was a wicked man. He was a wicked king. He served pagan gods. But the very first thing he did his very first order of business was to free the captive children of Israel. That went against the grain of everything that they stood for. Now, why would Cyrus do something like that, that dramatic? Because you think of the hatred that Iran has for Israel today, and it's basically been like that forever. Why would he do that? It was because the Lord... From time to time, he raises up for himself individuals to specifically give him honor and glory. And this is a beautiful story, an illustration, an example of how God was doing that, even through the life of a man who did not even claim to know Jehovah. And so these passages of Scripture proves and reveals that behind the conscience and aims and goals of King Cyrus there was the conquering hand of the Almighty God. Now keep in mind, Cyrus knew nothing about Jehovah. He knew nothing about God's covenant with Israel. He knew nothing about the Ten Commandments. He knew nothing about the temple in Jerusalem. He knew nothing about the order of sacrifices. He was a wicked man. He knew nothing about these Hebrews. But something was happening inside of him. And the Bible says, the Bible calls it, the girding of God. 
Cyrus was being girded to accomplish the purpose of God. And that's what the term means. It means the journey necessary that we have to walk upon that will ultimately bring God honor and glory. All along the way, God was girding King Cyrus to do that, unbeknowing to him. God was working behind the scenes in his life to do something very magnificent. He was working in the decisions that Cyrus was making. He was working in the authority that he was given, not for the benefit of King Cyrus, but for the will of God to be accomplished. That's important. So what can we learn from this right off the bat? We can see how the Holy Spirit opens our eyes. If you look very closely, we can see that in every single separate life, and we're all unique and wonderfully created in the image of God. But listen carefully, behind all of our problems, behind all of our efforts, behind all that we are and all that we do, there is a sovereign hand of God. There is a plan of God in all of our lives. Every one of us. We have to acknowledge that there is an all-knowing God behind every scene and episode in our life. God is working, whether we realize it or not. God is busy working, and it ought to bring great comfort. As we become aware that every single thing that happens to us, when it comes to you and I, especially as believers, I don't believe for one minute that a believer, listen, things happen by coincidence or by chance because if you're a child of God, you don't have to wake up in the morning to see what people called lucky stars have to say. You don't have to read the horoscope in the newspaper to figure out what you should do for the day. You don't have to seek out a fortune teller. Thank God we have a God in heaven who has already seen our life way back in the beginning of time. An eternal God who's designing the plan, who's doing the molding, who's doing the making, who's doing the conforming and refinishing of our lives for his honor and for his glory. Listen carefully. The same God, Jehovah, who girded the life of Cyrus, unbeknowing to him, who was a heathen man, is the same God who is girding my life and girding your life. And Cyrus did not have a clue as to what God was doing. And the truth about that is you may not have a clue this morning as to what God may be doing in your life right now. You think about this. I mean, Brother David taught in Sunday school this morning too as well. When, when God told Abraham to take his son Isaac to the top of Moriah and offer him there as a sacrifice, I assure you he didn't discuss that with Sarah before he got up in the morning. Now, you think about that. Had he discussed what he was about to do with Sarah, he'd have been the one on top of Moriah. <laughs> but let me tell you, he had no clue. He had no idea what God was doing. He was saying, God, are you, are you making a mistake? How in the world could you ask such a thing of me? God was girding him. He was preparing him. And I want you to think about this. God may be leading you. He may be girding you. He may be directing you right now in some phase of your life, and you may not even be aware of what he's doing. And so this morning, you may look back on some things in your life, and you have considered them to be major disappointments or major heartbreaks, maybe difficult setbacks, 
Things that you really believe that if you could go back in time and relive those things, that you would ultimately do things quite differently. And maybe perhaps you did not know why then, but now you can look back on life and you can see why. You can see God's hand and his directing. Now you can understand that it was the hand of God in control all the time that he's brought you to the place where you are right now and you can give him the glory for his deliverance. Number two, quickly, the thing we need to remember is we may not understand what God is doing, but I assure you he does. God certainly does. I want you to look at this. In the scripture this morning, the Lord was girding the life of Habakkuk. I want you to see this. You may not be able to find it quickly in your Bible, and so I'm going to ask them to get this text on the screen for you. Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Abraham was a man who did not know what God was doing with his life, but God was girding him. God was preparing him. Habakkuk was a man who also did not know what God was doing. In fact, there are several people in the Scriptures. If you remember the story about Jonah the prophet, and I'm not going to go through the whale and the journey and all of that stuff, but after Jonah finally surrendered to do what God told him to do, Jonah stepped back from it all and said, okay, God, I did it. Now kill every one of them. Kill all these Ninevites. They're wicked, heathen, barbaric people. He said, okay, I went down there and I preached to them. Okay, so the job is over now. My job is done now. You strike them all dead. That wasn't a plan to God. And when God didn't do that, Jonah couldn't figure it out. God, what have I missed? What are you doing? Abraham did not know that God was girding him. Jonah didn't know God was girding him. Here the prophet Habakkuk did not know that God was girding him. Let me show you this. This really comes alive when you look at it carefully. I want you to look at Habakkuk chapter 1, and I want to read verses 1 through 4. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see... All right, now he's about ready to have a pity party with God, and he's now questioning God. He said, Lord, how long shall I cry? How long shall I pray? You know what's going on all over the place. I'm asking you to intervene and rain down fire from heaven. And he says this, how long shall I cry and thou will not hear? God, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to do. He said, even cry out unto thee of violence and thou will not save. Why dost thou Show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance, for spoiling and violence are before me. And there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore, the law is slacked. He's saying, God, you're, you're slacking on your job, and judgment doth never go forth. Why are you letting these people get away with this for so long is what he's saying. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment, wrong judgment proceedeth. God, you've made a mistake. What's the matter here? But I want you to see what God says in response to that. He was basically going to say, Habakkuk, if you think this doesn't make any sense, just hang on because what I'm about to tell you is certainly not going to make any sense. And he says this in verse 6 through 11. He says, I've heard what you said. I've heard how many times you prayed and how many times you cried out. And this is what I'm going to do, Habakkuk. Notice what he says. For lo, I will raise up the Chaldeans. That bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land 
to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. So Habakkuk's been saying, okay, God, look, now it's time for you to get with it. It's time for you to deal with this mess. I want you to rain down fire from heaven. And God is saying, Habakkuk, if you think you're confused now, just hang on because I'm going to raise up your enemy. I'm going to raise up the people who do not acknowledge me. I'm going to rearrange things, Habakkuk, that they're going to march through your land. They're going to destroy things all around you, even more so now. They're going to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. Look at verse 7. They are terrible and dreadful. God rubs it in a little bit to him. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Now, I want you to see this. It's now the prophet, he, he's freaking out. He, doesn't, he just doesn't understand. God, what are you doing? He doesn't see. Verse number eight, their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves, and their horsemen shall spread themselves, and their horsemen shall come from afar. They shall fly as the eagle that hastes to eat. They shall come all for violence. He's saying, Habakkuk, you think it's bad now. He is saying, they're about to get it on with you. And look at this. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. And they shall scoff at the kings and the princes and shall be scorned unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing this his power unto his God. Habakkuk doesn't understand a word of it. And then to make things even more complicated, this is what God says in chapter 2. Look at this in verse 3 and 4. For the victim is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, he's saying, Habakkuk, don't get impatient. Though it tarry, Though you may seem to think that my judgment is not going to happen, God is saying, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And then God gives him this great declaration that we read of in the New Testament. Look at this. Behold his soul, verse 4, which is lifted up, is not upright in him. He said, Habakkuk, remember now the just shall live by faith. So you think about that. He didn't know what God was doing. He didn't understand it. God was about ready to do some things, preparing Habakkuk's life. He was girding him just as he girded Abraham, just as he girded Jonah. And the Lord may be in the process right now of girding you. There may be something going on in your life right now where you feel like God has made a major mistake, that he is three days late, four days late, that he's not on target, he's, he's dropped the ball, that he's not listening to you. And you're saying, God, I don't understand why this is going on in my life. It just seems like that havoc everywhere, north, south, east, and west is all around me. I don't get it, God. You may think about this. It may be that the very God in heaven, as he was seeking to get Abraham's attention and seeking to get Jonah's attention 
and seeking to get Habakkuk's attention, maybe the God of heaven right now has you in a certain place of life, turmoil all around. You think God's made a mistake, he's dropped the ball, but he may have you in a certain place right now trying to get your attention because there's something he wants to do in your life very far different than what you think he should be doing. Always remember this, God is in firm control. God is never out of control. No matter how bad things will get, let me say this about that. One day, no matter, no matter how bad we have it in this life, and we could all grumble and complain and have a pity party today, but listen, the truth of the matter is this. No matter how bad things get today in our life, one day God will fix it all. He will fix it all. Number three, God's undergirding is a spiritual principle of life. And there are two passages that I want to give you quickly here. Genesis 50 and 20, the word says this, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good or unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. And look at this in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and who are the called according to his purpose. And I think probably one of the greatest biblical stories that I could give you this morning that referenced that and describes that is the life of Joseph. And listen carefully, I'm not going to go into all the details of his life, and I'm going to try to put this on fast forward, but listen carefully. As a young man, you know the story, Joseph's brothers became very jealous of him, envious of him. And so they got together and they decided to remove him from the family permanently. They thought they would dig a pit and put him in there and leave him for dead. And then they took his coat of many colors and they dipped it in animal's blood and they were going to take it back to their father Jacob as proof that Joseph was dead. But about that time that they were about ready to walk away, a traveling caravan came, a Midianite man was passing through the desert, and Joseph's brothers decided to sell him into slavery. Now listen, Joseph had no idea why this was happening to him. Why are my brothers turning against me? Now keep in mind, all along, God was girding him. Even though Joseph did not understand it, my brothers, my own brothers, and imagine when they were throwing him in the pit, him looking up at them, what, what's the matter with you guys? What have I done? They were selling him into slavery. He had no idea with his hands tied, now being forced as the Midianite band pulls him out of the pit, he's now being forced to walk across the hot desert sands. Maybe he looked back behind him and he watched his brothers laugh as they were dividing the money that they had sold him into slavery for. There's no doubt in my mind that at this particular point in time in Joseph's life, here is where he would question God. God, why? What have I done? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? What are you doing, Lord? But you see, the story doesn't end there. Keep in mind, years later, Joseph had been elevated to the most second highest place position in all of Egypt. His brothers came from Egypt because of the famine. His brothers finally made their way into his presence. At first, the brothers did not recognize him, but Joseph recognized them. And when Joseph let them know who he was, the word says great fear came over them. Joseph began to calm them down, and that's why we have Genesis 50, 20. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But look, Joseph finally got the idea that God was in control of this whole thing. 
He would not have been where he was doing what he was doing had God's hand not been in it. So Joseph instantly realized that it was God all along from the envy and jealousy of his brothers from the pit to slavery to prison. Joseph finally realized that, hey, it was God behind the whole thing, bringing him from all of those disastrous places and all of those heartbreaking moments to be where he was right now. God allowed these things. God was working these things. God was girding him to bring him to this place. Now, I want you to think about this. While Joseph had no idea what God was doing, God certainly knew. God had a plan. He had a purpose to get glory. And God knew that by allowing these difficult things in his life, that Joseph would be in the position to keep the seed of Abraham alive. Now you think about that. The pit and the slavery was not in Joseph's plan. And you might be going through something right now. You might say, no, I didn't sign up for this. When I thought when I became a Christian, I signed up for the preaching, praying, singing, and for uh, the glory of God to serve the Lord and be happy and to have the joy of the Lord in my heart. It would be wonderful if that's what Christianity was. If all Christianity was about preaching, praying, singing, and going home, lifting our hands and praising God, wouldn't that be a utopia of life if that's what the Christian life was all about, if that's all that it was? But I will tell you this, that's not what Christianity is all about. The Word calls it a cross life. It's a very difficult life. At first, Joseph thought this happening was a terrible interruption in his life. I didn't sign up for this, God. But Joseph learned that God was in full control and knew exactly what he was doing. And that can truly be said of our lives as well. Here's the thing I want you to think about this morning. If we were all given choices about what should happen in our life, there's not a single person in here that would say, well, if I have a choice of what my life should be like, if I have a choice of what destiny I would choose for my life, none of us would say, okay, number one, I'm going to choose setbacks. I'm going to choose troubles. I'm going to choose trials. I'm going to choose tribulations. I'm going to choose sorrow. I'm going to choose grief. None of us. I mean, if we had the option, all of us would say, Lord, I don't want to go through none of that stuff. And this cross life thing, I'm not interested in that. If, if I could have my way, I would rather take up my picnic basket and follow you, certainly not the cross. We would say, Lord, I don't want to deal with this. And so because, listen, we don't have choices. Because we don't have the option to choose how we deal with the stuff in our lives we consider to be terrible and detrimental. Listen, we don't have the choice. So how are we as believers going to deal with it? How are we going to react to it? How are we going to face it? I can tell you this, that there have been many people over the years who, when they get into those kind of circumstances, they have chosen to blame God. And, and I have had people to tell me through the life, that's the reason I don't go to church anymore, because the church is full of hypocrites. Well, Walmart is too. Yeah. That made me laugh. I mean, don't we do what we want to do and go where we want to go? I mean, you think about this just for a moment. You, 
you say, well, I didn't, I didn't sign. That's not what I'm in this thing for. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't serve God because it requires too much time and it's too much trouble and too much effort, too much accountability. I don't, I don't want to sign up for that. But listen, there's, there, there's a better way to deal with troubles and frustrations and sorrows rather than just quitting on God and getting mad and frustrated at Him. We have to acknowledge this in our Christian life, that God is a God in heaven who is a master girder. And I want you to think that through. God's plans are always bigger than our plans. And the journey in life, the journey in life is about this now. It's about the bitter and the sweet. It's about the cross and the crown. Every one of us who are of his kingdom, we've all been given a cross, every single one of us. Some of us may think that our cross is a little heavier than others, but I assure you that God is not a respecter of persons. God, listen, has arranged it that Christianity is not problem-free. Learn not to question God. Never compare yourself to anybody else and never feel that you're better than anybody else. Lord, why do I have to go through this? This is really not fair, God. Now, I can clearly understand why he's doing it, and I can clearly understand why she's in a mess. But God, me, of all people, listen, we should never begin to question God in that arena. God, why me? Keep in mind that with sorrow and trouble and trials, he's behind the scene. He has a plan. And he's girding in your life. We need to stop feeling far, sorry for ourselves and, and start thinking about, listen, in trials and troubles, remember this, that God has a plan and he's trying to get us to a place where he can get more glory. He was trying to get Abraham to the place where he could get more glory. He was trying to get Habakkuk to that place. He was trying to get Jonah to that place. Cyrus, again, was a heathen man. Yet he was being girded by God for a divine purpose. I mentioned to you a few moments ago, Romans 8.28. Let me, let me ask them to pull that scripture one more time back on the screen, and I want you to look at this. The scripture says this, and we know that, you know, does the word say some things? Most things? A lot of things? And we know that all things, that's a powerful word. It means that the heartaches and setbacks and disappointments and sorrows, all things, victories, yes. Wonderful blessings, yes, but also the bad, the bitter with the sweet. And every life always, if you remember one thing when you leave here today about this message on God's girding, the girding of God's love. Remember this, in every single life, some rain has to fall. Some rain has to fall. Life is not easy, and the Christian life is harder, especially when you really want to serve the Lord. But we've got to remember that we have a God in heaven who just might be girding us. We might be going through some catastrophic thing, and we would say, Lord, my life would be so much easier and so much better if I didn't have to deal with this. 
but simply trust him. Number four, and I want to ask our musicians to come forward. God is preparing us by the girding. There's a scripture that I want you to see in Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10. Quickly get it up here. You won't have to turn. Look what the word says. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And so the Lord, listen carefully, he's made us unique and he's made us different in so many ways. But I assure you that the Lord has a very special package just for you. He has a very special design, a very special plan just for you. And I want to encourage you to learn how to take your setbacks and your problems and turn them into stepping stones rather than stumbling blocks. And think about this. I really believe it with all my heart that some people would not be in church this morning if God was not in the process of girding your life. If God wasn't in control of your life, and again, you've seen in the Scriptures where he girded a heathen man's life so that he could ultimately get glory. You say, well, I, I just don't get that. Why would, why would God do that? Have you ever thought about this, that God used a rooster to crow three times in the Bible to get some glory? God used a talking donkey in the Old Testament to get some glory? That tells me this. That doesn't matter how God gets it. If he can get it, he'll get it. He used a heathen man in the Old Testament, Cyrus. He uses born-again believers. And so there, I believe, listen now, some of us today would not be in this pew today, this morning, unless God was in the background girding our life and bringing us to this place. If you had let discouragement at some place in your life overwhelm you, and completely take you off of the path with God? If you had quit many years ago when you could have, when you thought you should have, you wouldn't be sitting in here today. Some people, they run from problems. Some people run to them. Some may be running today, but God has a plan. He has a purpose. Recognize that the girding in your life are possibilities that God can get through and with you for his honor and glory. God never looks. Let me, let me share this with you. God never looks out of the portals of heaven. And, and he looks. He never looks down and sees us in the mess that we're in for whatever choice we made, whatever circumstance we're in, where we're praying, oh, God, life could be so much better if I didn't have to do this. God looks down from the portals of heaven. He looks at our lives. Always remember this. God never, he never says, uh-oh. What, what has happened to him? What, what did she just do? What did he just do? God never has an uh-oh. He's, he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's working diligently behind the scenes when it comes to you and I. God has his hand in control, and we are under his wings, according to the word of God, sealed until the day of redemption. If we're going to be what God wants us to be, we've got to start trusting in his girding. 
And think about it. He just may be putting you through a prison, a pit, the belly of a whale. He may put you in a situation like Habakkuk was in. God, why aren't you busy working and doing these wonderful things? God may be doing all kinds of things in your life to gird you and to bring you to a place for his honor. Thank God one of these days, every single one of us, I assure you, we're going to make it through. No matter how hard it is, you might be here this morning because of some kind of girding in your life. Remember, God sees everything that's out there. He sees everything about us. You and I can only see a little part of it, a little picture of it. But in the girding, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. If God could do great things for King Cyrus and in his life, a man who did not know Jehovah, think about how much better things he can do for you and me. Let's bow our heads in prayer. The girding of God's love. And so this morning, you might be sitting here today and you're saying, Preacher, man, you have just plowed my garden today. Because yes, I am going through some things and I'm questioning God right now. Why is he letting this stuff happen? I read my Bible, I pray, I tithe, I come to church, I try to serve wherever I can. And it just seems like every time I take one step forward, I take 10 backwards. I just can't seem to catch my breath. I, I just can't seem to have a good day once in a while. Just seems like my life is constantly in some kind of drama, some kind of trouble. And preacher, it just seems that, that you were talking specifically to me today. Well, I'll tell you this. I don't know what God may be doing in your life, but I pray that you understand that whatever he's doing, it's not in vain. God has a purpose and he has a plan. Let that encourage you today, the girding of God's love. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.